0: or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Jonathan Tonks. Jonathan lives in Holland, Michigan, and began his career as a continuous improvement engineer for a multi-billion-dollar automotive supplier. Um, started investing in 2020 and created an investment firm called Provision Space. So, Jonathan, first, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you tell your story. But first, I just want to thank you and, and uh, tell you how much I appreciate having you on and, and you taking the time. Absolutely, Jason. I'm really excited to be here and, and share a little bit with you and your audience. Awesome. So why don't you go ahead and, and tell us your story? Tell us, you know, kind of it sounds like, you know, like many of my guests come from a, a background that isn't necessarily real estate related, but um, but but give us some about your backstory. Absolutely. It's funny when I listen to people that you've interviewed too on your show. I was like, man, they have such a great background. I mean, they have such a great story. And sometimes I think that uh, it, it, my story sounds simple, but I love it. And it's it's what's brought me to where we're at. But Um, Yeah, I was raised in in a Christian family over in Clarkston, Michigan, which is on the east side of the state, kind of metro Detroit area. Um, Really grew up in an automotive family, as the short bio explained. Um, My father has worked at General Motors his entire career, his father before him. And that was the vision as a young child that I was growing up in. I was going to work my way up the corporate ladder. And I was very okay with that growing up. And I was really excited to pursue that. And I did. I went into Um, A University for Mechanical Engineering. I have that degree. Um, Always had some business inclination growing up and and, uh, curiosities. I like the stock market and I like playing around with investments and learning about that. But um, it wasn't until I had graduated and had the opportunity to move out to the west side of the state where I currently reside in Holland, Michigan, um, had the opportunity to buy my first duplex. It was my first real estate purchase in general. And that is what got the wheels turning. That's what really set me off to the path that I'm moving towards today on the commercial side. But um, Really just kind of a simple transition high level for you there. But now we're growing into provision space. My investment firm is growing into um, commercial real estate properties all over the Sunbelt region, a little bit in the Midwest. With a heavy emphasis on value-add multifamily, um, building relationships and partners with operators in these high growth markets and high Population growth industries, and it's really been an exciting journey thus far. I feel like we're just tapping over the the early stages of foundation before the growth begins to start. But that's a high level where we're at, Jason. Awesome, awesome. So, I mean, you know, the I, I have I feel like I don't know what the exact percentage is, but maybe thirty percent or so of my guests come from some level of uh, engineering background. So it seems to be for whatever reason, um, have some sort of <laughs> tie into real estate, maybe it's numbers, maybe it's just that, you know, say, analytical side, who knows, but um, in, interesting there. And, and interesting that, you know, you kind of have that sort of family background. You said that you always had a business inclination. Mm. How did you, how do you know that? Like, what did you what instances came up, Uh, you know, sort of prior to starting in real estate that, that made you feel that way? I've never told this story to anyone, Jason, but I used, when I was little, I'm talking like seven, mm-hmm. I used to dream that I would find like coins all around the house, like money, like little piles of money, yeah. count them out. I don't know why that popped into my head, but I used to have little dreams about that, but that never transpired into anything really. But it was more so when I turned maybe 15, 16, um, my dad and I first started talking about the stock market and what does it look like to have a 401k and um, he was my, my mentor on that side, not that he's an expert in the market by any means, but we talked about indexes and um, just the fact of compound interest and what it means to really invest and get a return on your money. Mm-hmm. And that propelled me down to just more curiosity and digging in a little bit deeper on what does it mean to or what is a good return on investment or what is a good stock or company to invest in? and What makes those metrics uh, appealing to investors? And that just the curiosity is really what drove it down that avenue. Um, but then, even getting into college and having opportunities to be in uh, different clubs on the financial side or um, working with budgets and seeing money move. And then, of course, with the introduction of technology and social media and seeing um, the possibilities, a lot of young people starting businesses and learning through that avenue sure. just kind of built out that encouragement side. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I think um, it's so important you know, that, and I, and my kids are probably still a little too young to be talking about this stuff, but, but ultimately I think it's really important that, you know, parents, you know, sounds like your dad was sort of helped get you some early financial literacy and, and really tapping into the power of time. And, you know, that, that's what, that's really what excites me the most when I talk to to young people is like, listen, you don't have to do a lot now to get to get yourself well ahead. You just, you know, start with little increments. Um, You mentioned uh, a duplex. So was that, that was your first purchase uh, from a real estate standpoint? Yeah. Uh, When I was moving out to Holland, um, I was looking at properties and I actually didn't end up getting the property I was looking for. I was looking for um, a triplex or a quad. Uh, This was back in 20, uh, end of 2019, Mm -hmm. Um, but I ended up renting for about a year until an opportunity showed up and it was downtown Holland. So there's a upper and lower unit living in the upper and renting out the lower. So that was my first real estate purchase for somewhat of an investment property, but I bought it as a primary residence. Okay. Which is a great way to start. I mean, right? Like a lot of people start with that. You know, house hack um type of situation whether it's you know a single family with roommates or some sort of multi-family duplex triplex whatever it is but you, but you're living there and then having you know a tenant you know help uh whether they're paying all of the you know expenses or they're at least paying a good portion of them it's still you're saving money there and, and then you can sort of redeploy that capital um so where how did you kind of transition from okay i bought this duplex to start thinking about commercial real estate and, and you know, sort of bigger uh, multifamily deals. It it really came out of the necessity of understanding that if I wanted to grow and scale this, because it was right off the get-go, um, I was very fortunate that I had a tenant the day after I bought the place, move in and sign a year-long contract, which I know doesn't happen often, but um, it was just a great relationship with the, the realtor at the time and he connected the two of us. But I knew as soon as I got that opportunity, how much of a net gain it was on the uh, what I was paying to rent versus what I was paying on the mortgage subsidized by some of the rental income from a tenant. Um, but I knew from the moment I bought the place, I spent about six months renovating the property, even though I had bought it fully renovated. So this is where the engineer, mine comes back in, my dad and I, are, oh, we can build this over here. We can add this and paint this. And, and we did. And, and I turned to him after we were done and said, "Dad, there's no way I can scale a property or a portfolio when we spend six months on things that don't need to be done. Right. So it came out of that necessity of, okay, I don't have one. I didn't have the extra resources from all the renovations that we did that property. And then I didn't really have a team built out. So fix and flips wasn't really on my mind. Coal signaling wasn't on my mind. It was more, I just got to meet people who are doing something bigger and better and just learn from them. So it just became, I was going to um, virtual webinars. I was going to in-person conferences and just networking with people and ask them, where do you learn how to do commercial? Where do you learn how to scale a portfolio? And um, I had a couple of people recommend a mentorship program, joined that right away and got plugged in and just learned by doing and, and by networking with people in that group. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, another you know sort of common theme certainly is that you know, the network and then also the mentorship, right? That those things are huge in terms of accelerating that learning curve and and also, you know, hopefully just avoiding some of the mistakes that can be made in the beginning. I think everybody's going to make some mistakes or not even necessarily mistakes, but just have things not go the way you planned them. And so having that mentorship helps avoid some of that. Um, so tell us about, you know, kind of the the first commercial deal? What, what did you, how did that come about? Kind of what, what was your role? What did you do there? Yeah, it was, my, it was my coach who, through that mentorship program, who had the opportunity. And it was a 60-unit property just out of, outside of um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, about 30, 30, 40 minutes north of Pittsburgh. And I approached him. We had been calling every couple of weeks and bouncing ideas off each other, trying to figure out where do I add value to the team? Is it underwriting is it raising capital like where do i mm-hmm. fit in the puzzle and uh, i called him this one week and he told me he had a property under contract and he said if you want to give it a shot um you can raise and give me a target for raising capital and being part of the asset management team and kind of learning by doing was his mantra yeah and then at the time i was like oh no problem like i think it's like three hundred thousand was the goal was like oh no i could raise a million you know and yeah And I go in and I very quickly learned I was not capable of raising a million, especially the first time, Um, but I hit the goal and it was just the relentless and uh, unashamed calling, texting, emailing everybody that I knew. Even if we hadn't talked about um, commercial real estate, uh, i talked to a lot of people just about the early success through the duplex and business back in the day, just in general talking to people. So they knew I was going to do something along those lines. Um, but when I had that opportunity to raise capital, that was the first um moment that I got to be part of a GP team and um still on the asset management calls today and helping run that property. Awesome. I think that is a, a really good uh thing just to stop on for a second and talk about the that you know, sort of first capital raise where you think all right. oh, this because tell me what you think, but but I feel like this is a it's a scenario of once you get into it, right? Once you get into real estate and you're in that, you know, they're in the mentorship program or whatever, whatever phase you are in the beginning where you're like, all of a sudden you realize the power, right? You realize mm-hmm. how, what like the power of this, what a great opportunity it is. And so you're fired up about it. And you're like, why wouldn't everybody like you think yeah. you're just gonna talk to you could walk up to someone on the street and they'd be like, Yes, that's a great idea. You just <laughs> get because yeah. I I think a lot of us do that, and it's it's one of the reasons why people who are experienced capital raisers are like, it's going to take you, you know, (laughs) you you probably can raise half as much as you think you can raise if that, and, you know, sometimes even that's, that's a challenge. So, you know, you mentioned that you were sort of calling and and texting and just, what was your thought process and all of that? I I would imagine, you know, if you, if you thought, Oh, I can raise a million dollars. And then you found it was, it was hard to raise, uh, you know, 300,000, even whatever the number is, right? Like you, you're, what was your thought process through that? What, um, I'm sure you probably reached out to your your um, mentor as well. Like, how did that walk us through that? Because I do think that's a very common thing that people starting out in the business go through. And and it, um, uh, I can say from firsthand experience, it doesn't, it doesn't like go away after the first one. Right. Like it it continues to, to be a struggle until it's not. Right. I think suddenly at some point people reach that inflection point and they're like, oh yeah, I just send out one email and everybody throws money at me. Like there's a, there's, it's a great spot to be in, but it's also not, you know, it takes a lot of work to get there. So yeah. what did you do? What, you know, sort of, what things can can people who are beginning sort of take away from from your experience? Yeah, there's a couple things that come to mind. And, and one particularly that I want to highlight, Jason, and it's the fact of, and the power of a mentorship group the reason why we join it is not just to have formal training or to have fun with with people, which is important. But being surrounded by people who are doing really well mm-hmm. sets a different level of expectation on yourself moving forward. So when I had that opportunity to raise three hundred, I basically told myself, like there's no way I'm not raising three hundred. Like I'm not settling for less. I'm gonna do mm-hmm. three hundred, and that's it. And I had been in the mentorship group maybe, two and a half, three months at the time, probably two and a half months when I had this opportunity to start. So I I had been slowly networking and sharing with people, but you're overcoming that imposter syndrome of, I'm still working full-time as an engineer, but I want people to recognize me as a real estate investor. And there's this kind of dichotomy of, what do I present to people and how do you build that trust quickly? And a lot of the people, or all the people who invested in that first opportunity were people that I knew even before I got started in real estate. And it's people Mm -hmm. that i would already built a relationship with, already trust me based on results in different areas and arenas in life. So that's an important distinction is being in that mentorship group just gave me the confidence and the expectation of myself on what would be acceptable. Um, But then to your to. Touch on the points of it really doesn't go away even though the amounts are are growing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it helps tremendously when you have the systems in place and the email cadences are going out timely and the right information is presented to people, because you're trying to show consistency over the long run. That's that's why when someone can send um an email and they get all these, these soft commits, or they can make a phone call and raise a million dollars. Like the reason people can do that is because they've delivered first and foremost, yeah. they're doing it consistently. And they show not only through return on investment, but through the types of, or the way they communicate with their investors, the way they um, distribute the capital, the return on investment on time. Is it um, exactly what the was promised? Is it over and above what those was promised? Just those little details that we think are insignificant, build that confidence and that trust in people to the point where I can call someone up and say, hey, we have an opportunity in a couple of weeks. Are you interested? Yeah, I'm going to wire however much I have at the So it, it's definitely a process and um, quite cyclical, especially during the raise moment, because you get people who are committed, especially first timers. Like, oh, I'm in. I'm, I'll do the minimum. And then, like, oh, something pumped, popped up and like, oh, I'm back in. So it, I think maturity that happens over time, the longer you're in this business, is um, settling that emotion. Like try not to be so cyclical, a little bit more steady and understand that everyone's going through their own things. Um, don't put any overbearing expectations on someone to deliver. Just keep following up. Um, don't ever give up on someone too. That's a big one, especially the people who back out. Don't ever give up on that person. Um, try to learn why they backed out or why they're uncomfortable and try to un- help them understand it because it's um, you really got to take care of your people all the way through. And, and that's been the biggest return on investment for me is um, seeing people who were a little nervous, not because they didn't like the product, but because they didn't really understand it helping them understand it. And then they are excited and on multiple, multiple opportunities with me now. So it's really, really cool to see that. Yeah, yeah, no, th- that's a lot of, I mean, really great points, Jonathan. I think that that, you know, kind of, especially what you said about you new know, sort of people that it, it's now easy to raise. It, it wasn't, you know, everybody was at the point where, you know, everybody starts at, this is hard. Right. This is. And the other thing is, is it doesn't get easier because you keep pushing yourself. Right. You're like, well, I raised three hundred thousand. The first one. Well, now I want to raise a half a million or and then I want to raise a million. Like you just start to kind of push that envelope to see what you can do. And, and you should. Right. If you, you just say I'm only ever going to raise, you know, whatever you raised on the first one, it probably does get easier. It probably at that point might be, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, but then you're not actually growing and and achieving and, and kind of pushing yourself outside the comfort zone. So I think that that all of that is is super important for people to you know sort of take in and and um note a lot of those points that you made because I think that that is really key in terms of what, what starts out. So um in in your deals, is that your primary focus? Are are you uh really a capital raiser in, in some some aspects of the asset management along the way? Yeah, and it was right after that first one where I was able to really define that. Um, underwriting made a lot of sense. I think you touched on it. The engineers, the numbers, when the numbers work, it's very clear and Mm -hmm. and we can see how they're all connected and what affects the other numbers and the the formulas and the Excel documents. But it was very clear to me earlier on that I was more of an ambassador for what we were doing because I tell people this all the time. If I had all the money in the world, this is exactly where I'd be putting it or I'd be putting a big chunk into this. Yeah. So that conviction going forward and when I'm sharing it with new investors or new relationships, it's not a sales pitch of like, this is why you should do it. Here's the reasons. It's like, this is what I do. I'd love for you to be a part of this with me. And mm-hmm. it's a very different approach from that. So to answer your question, yep, I'm purely on the capital raising asset management side. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, if, if you're going to raise capital, you have to believe in it. Right. Because you're not really It's it's not it's not a sales pitch. It's, it's truly a, an opportunity that you are, you know, sort of providing to people and you need to believe that it, it's not just, Hey, you can, you know, I'm sure even the best salespeople in the world, they probably can raise some capital, but at some point you got to really just buy in and be, be hundred percent committed to, the, to whatever the product is. So, and in this case, the product is, is real estate investment. So I think that's, that's a really good point um I also think tell me if you agree, but I think when you have uh in sort of a high level W2 job like like you do, capital raising is probably one of the easiest components to fit in around that like from a from a yep. time perspective you can have your you can have your investor calls in in the morning in the evenings on the weekends and and whereas some of the other things really, require you to be available you know sort of business hours uh essentially but but as a capital raiser anyone who's raising i mean it's it's conversations it's the education that you talked about it's you know because because yeah you have people that are excited about it because you're excited about it but they don't necessarily know what the process is and so there is a lot of uh education that goes along with it so i think um from a t- day, you know, day structure, uh, a lot of times it makes sense in that in that regard. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and not to say that any of the jobs are are easier harder, but in terms of a time commitment, absolutely, it's um, it's more flexible. And right. I think right. if you're going to be an excellent underwriter too and have those relationships with brokers, either the standard upfront has got to be that hey, I only have these hours of the day that I can respond to your emails, just so they're aware, or it's like you're underwriting all night, every night. So it's, right. it's it's however it works best with your schedule. I know people have families and and um, I'm thankful that at this stage of life, I have the flexibility in my own free time. I'm single and don't have any kids. So uh, that gives me a lot of room to to strategize, to network, to do last minute. Um, sure. Sure. Be done. Sure. Yeah no i think and I, and yeah i do it was not uh in no way was i saying at or uh, capital raising is easy no, I I, to, to me it's the hardest part but um i think that it it is just from a, a time flexibility yes. it's like if you're dealing with contractors and property managers and stuff they they all turn off the phone at 5 p.m. and so there's that kind of um challenge in, in getting things done outside of outside of normal business hours at that point. But a lot of investors, they have jobs too. So they're like, yes, let's let's talk about this on the weekend or let's talk about this in the in the you know evenings and stuff. So it, it makes total sense. Um what is your what's on the horizon for you? What what are your goals? You know, kind of what are you what are you looking out to do here? Um I know it's the we're coming to the end of the year, but it sounds like you're still um you know pushing hard through to finish up the year strong. Yeah, man. That, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this and maybe we can talk off camera on camera on this question, but um, the topic of sharing your goals with people and speaking it into existence, I'm curious where your, your head is on this. Um, the reason I say that is I have a couple couple things that I wanna share, but I don't think it's the right time to share just yet. Yeah. Um, that'll be coming out soon. But my, my goal that I've been telling people on the syndication side is a billion in assets within the next five years. Uh, assets under management. So that that's the, I call it a short term, mid term goal for us uh, for five year span. Um, but yeah, we're we're pushing real hard for the end of the year. We have two more assets we're going to be closing before the end of the year, probably around Thanksgiving time. Um, so seventy nine units coming up, and then another two fifty two uh, coming up as well. So um, yeah, we're not waiting to the new year to to get right. moving. Right. Exactly. No, that's fantastic. I, no, the the goals question is a good one because I I do think th- there's uh maybe pros and cons to put, I, I think accountability, you know, if mm-hmm. you put it, you put it out there publicly, these are my goals, then you have accountability on that. And I think there are goals that are appropriate to put out into the world. And then there are, you know, you don't have to put, I don't think anyone should necessarily put their personal life goals like, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause you should have goals in all aspects of, of life really. So, you know, personal, professional fitness whatever it is you know if you have kids like what are your goals with the kids for the year that kind of thing so i think all of those things are important but i don't think necessarily you should or need to put out every single thing and i also if it's if it's not something that you're comfortable putting out there you know then don't i think you know social media in a way tells us we should (laughs) put everything out there and it's it's interesting because Um, I I recently went to a, uh, kind of high level mastermind event that was, it was really cool. And there was a lot of, um, you know, talk about being, feeling like you're the dumbest person in the room. Like there were a lot of people there that were just seeing, and it, it wasn't just in real estate. It was kind of across, across different, um, uh, fields and just kind of seeing being around them was super cool, but, but some of them were real estate people and, what I found, I don't know if other people experience this, but I found like, like some of them have really big um, Instagram followings, like have a lot of like social media reach. And it felt weird. It felt like I was like a stalker talking to them because I already knew everything, or I already knew a lot about them that was sort of, you know what they put out publicly and so it did feel a little weird like normally you meet someone you come up you have a conversation and you might ask them some things about themselves but it was <laughs> like i felt like i couldn't think of anything to ask because i was like well i i know what you're doing like i so i i do think i don't know what the right answer is i don't know what the right balance is i know that people who are consumers of social media that's what they want right like they you, they meet a you know they they want to know everything that's going on in in a kardashian's life or something like that but like it is a little weird to me then when you actually do meet them that it almost feels and i'm sure they still have some private things but it almost feels like you already know too much about them than when you meet a a regular person that you've never met before so it it was it's a an interesting question that you pose in the sense that you know putting goals out there and and i guess i took a tangent but it but it it is um An interesting line to walk of what's the right amount to to kind of put out there publicly versus you know what you're and I and I think it just has to be what you're comfortable with, right? It has to be you know and probably most of us are uncomfortable to put a lot out there publicly and so maybe some of those things that will push us if we put it out there publicly. But but yeah, I don't know. I don't. What's your what's your thoughts? I'd reciprocate. It It depends on the person. I think it depends on your appetite for competition. Um, I think if you're more, I'm a little more introverted. I have extroverted tendencies, but I only tell people goals that I want to be held accountable for. Um, Which, in a way, like why would I have a goal if I don't want to be held accountable? Right. Um, Right. Right. That's the counter argument to that. Right. You're like, okay, well, if you don't put it out there, and and you if you don't put it out there specifically because you don't want to be held accountable, then is it really a goal? But that's why you have the mentorship right that's what like you don't necessarily have to put it on social media or on a podcast or whatever like you talk about those goals with the the people that are close to you that you know will push you in in the right direction or at the same time too what is the most important goal whether it's if you're in a season of the you know, uh um, spend time with your family or your faith or your business right now for me it's all business Yeah. And Anytime I speak with the guys I'm closest with and the mentors in my life, it's um, in four years. If I'm not anywhere close to a billion, I hope along the way someone has pulled me aside and said, "What are you doing? Like, we need to keep keep going, keep working." And I want right. that energy and uh, motivation is probably the wrong word, but just inspiration and camaraderie. Yeah, let me tell you. Well, and having that, you know, sort of billion under assets or assets under management is is it's a goal that, it's a quantifiable goal that you can reverse engineer, right? So you can say, you know, you can go backwards and say that's 200 million a year. Yep. realistically, you're probably not gonna do the same amount each year. And so it's probably gonna be less than the first, you know, each year is probably gonna get, in, in general, that's how growth would work. So each year is gonna get a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it gives you a, a target gives you a target gives you a something to to be held to you know if if you're if your goal is a billion and you're doing you know buying 12 units a year you're not going to get there so you, you kind of it can steer you in the right direction at least yeah. unless those 12 units are very expensive <laughs> right right well, they'd no. have to be extremely <laughs> yeah 10 12 units in Dubai I guess then you're Great then you're working in that. the right direction but but yeah it's a, uh, you know it's some level of measurability to what you're doing, I think, is good. That's why you know people look at KPIs and everything like that. It's just um, but it's also don't you know if you have that goal, you may not put every single KPI out there that you reach along the way. So it's it's a it is an interesting kind of topic to break down and, and see what you know, kind of how people feel about it. I think, but I think that's where the those. Uh, mentorship groups, the masterminds, all of those, that sort of accountability coaching from whatever, you know, side it comes in is very, very helpful for how you, uh, you know, kind of move yourself forward in your business. Yeah. Yeah, I love it um Jonathan let's let's switch gears here I want to get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest so first one is of course based on the name of the show being know your why but but what is your why what what motivates you and kind of keeps you moving towards that towards that big goal yeah that's a great question Jason and uh, it's been something I've reflected on for quite a long time I read Simon Sinek's start with why book right when it came out and um, it's been an area where it's been so difficult to articulate for a long time until I got into the, the real estate space, but at a fundamental level, um, I have a very strong faith background. My family grew up in the church and I, I fundamentally believe that, um, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing to other people. Um, in whatever fashion that comes in, whether it's, um, just some examples, um, teaching kids at church or, Serving the community, um, like a soup kitchen, or going on mission trips, or whatever form or fashion that comes in, I think there is the purpose of business, the purpose of making money, having occupations and jobs and and investments is not just to get the the monetary gain. And this is a long winded answer, just to tell you in a second, but it's not just the monetary gain. It's it's what can you use, what value can you provide from your life, the gift of life that you have. That can be transcending through generations and and your children's children and just going through the thought process of, I have a finite amount of time here. What's the best use of my time, and how can I, in the end, be a blessing to other people, um, so that they can reciprocate that butterfly effect and be blessings to other people. And if it's spreading joy to people, how can they be joyful to other people? And um, so, really, it, it comes down to that understanding and that belief moving forward. My family has been completely integral and um, a massive reason why I think I've had the glimpses of, of quote unquote, success early on. Um, just the encouragement and the, the mentorship, the parenting style that they have um, really resonated and stuck with me. Um, so they're a huge, huge part of it. I mean, they, I'll just tell you this, my parents are so hard to shop for on Christmas and birthdays, like, for one, like my dad doesn't wait till a holiday to buy himself something like if he needs my like he's <laughs> like, just get he's just practical like that, right? Um, but they'll never ask for anything, and that bugs me to death because I just want to give them everything that they've never asked for, yeah uh, and uh, a, a big one too, so I'm going on, I'm about this one, but family's huge, but my uh, my mom's dad, my grandpa on my mom's side uh, he. He had a small tuxedo business back in the day, and uh, I didn't know this whole story until he had passed, but he he sold it and he used the proceeds to every summer. I have 24 cousins on my mom's side. Every summer uh, he would uh, rent a house and we'd all like everyone would spend the holidays together every summer. We never miss. Um, and since he passed a couple of years ago, like we've missed and we haven't kept that tradition going and just things like that that's not happening ever again and I don't want money to be a reason why people can't visit and we can't create memories together and that's just a huge conviction in my life um I want to eliminate every excuse there is to not have that happen so family's a big one um faith belief and and all those are are huge as well it's amazing that's amazing so I I uh yeah that um the grandfather story resonates a lot because uh it might my grandmother is is that person, and uh, she is we are about to lose her uh, as of who you know any any minute now. Unfortunately, she's in hospice, but um she was the one that created that space that everybody would go to. So yeah, it's um it's a big deal. and being able to kind of carry on those talking I'm totally off the rails, but I don't care. We can <laughs> it's my podcast. We talk about whatever. I um my wife and I went to dinner last night and, uh, in my grandmother's house is, is, is the place where family gathered. And I just started thinking like, I I think I got to buy that house. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think, I don't know what's going to like, I don't know if someone else in the family wants to, but I feel like it would be hard to say, to see it not be in our family. And so I'm like, part of me is like, well, I, I think I know what my next real estate purchase needs to be like that. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a great um, way to, you know, kind of pr- preserve those memories and, and give back and, and, you know, giving back on a, on a personal level mm-hmm. is just as important as giving back, you know, kind of on a, on a global scale or, you know, you know, people, I think a lot of times people think about that, you know, when they say I want, I'm, now i work for impact or i'm giving back or whatever like sure that's great let's help let's help people let's help people around the country around the world but also like sometimes good to think close to home and so yeah i love love that story so so thank you for sharing that jonathan i think that that's that is super important um second Question is tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, uh, a special skill, a hobby, um, just anything that you're comfortable sharing that'll let the listeners know you a little bit better. The big one, and I like to tell people this. Um, but I earned my pilot's license a couple of years ago. Um again, <laughs> when I was young. Looking back, I, I had a lot of uh I was a dreamer, and I think my parents encouraged that. It wasn't realistic at all, but um, I wanted to go to the Air Force uh, out of high school and um, backed out because um, my uncle, uh, he flew in the Air Force, and he just made the comment one day that um, he was like, Johnny, uh, I didn't get married till I was in my 40s. And I realized that conflicted a little, and not to say that happens to everybody, right? But I realized that uh, conflicted a little bit with my vision for my life. Um, I want to have kids and raise a family and Um, So I backed out of that, but it's always been in my mind. I wanted to learn how to fly. And so a couple of years ago, right when COVID happened, I had six weeks where I could work remote, kind of be at home and took my online courses. Then came back four months later, I got my private pilot's license. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's just something I want to expand. Yeah, that's awesome. I think next to uh, a large percentage of my guests being, um, engineers also a large percentage yeah. of them uh have some sort of pi- I'm like and I, and it makes total sense right like like my one my one like everything I do is is in real estate is like the same thing like it's like impact it's family It's it's all of that but the one like if I had one thing that's kind of a material I want to fly private because I hate flying commercial and yeah. so that is like but like Maybe the way to do that is get my pilot's license. Like that's it. And it's, but and I think that that makes sense. Like all of these people that are, you know, if they get to a point where where money's not a thing they have to worry about. Yeah, let's let's know how to fly a plane and go where I want to. Want you know, it's all about time freedom, right? Well, how how much time would you free up if you aren't on uh, you know, Delta's schedule? You're on, <laughs> you're on your own. So oh, yeah. it's uh, it's it's cool. I I think uh, I I've never thought that I needed to fly the plane, but but yeah, I would uh be happy to fly in someone else's smaller plane. Yeah, I encourage I, you to try it. I'm sure I would love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I would love it. But yeah, it's awesome. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out, what's what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, best way is actually through LinkedIn. Um, that's probably where I'm most active. Um, just my name, Jonathan Tonks, and uh, another way would just be through the website provisionspace.com. And uh, you'll have lots of content and information there as well. Okay. Perfect, and we'll put we'll put that stuff in the uh, show notes. Um, final question for you, Jonathan: What is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is starting out? They want to uh, follow in your footsteps, get into real estate. What, what would you tell them? You know, kind of in the beginning. Uh, man, a lot of things come to mind, but I'd say the first two, if I can get two answers to this, one is read and consume as much information about the industry as you can. I think the best decision you can make is if this is not for you to know that before you get started and invest a lot of money into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one way learn through reading. And then the second one is that mentorship piece that we talked about, whether it's in person or virtual, just be surrounded by people who are doing what you want to do. Let that energy translate into your daily actions. And then like, as best you can have people you can bounce ideas off of. That's my advice. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. It's a, uh, as someone who definitely has a um, DIY background and 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 mentality, that's been a big thing that I've had to shift mindset on. And that it is um, for sure a team sport, and and finding people that are where you want to get, and and okay. sort of um, using them as mentors. And whether that's a, a paid mentorship or just something that happens organically, doesn't matter. Just figure out a way to to make it happen. Absolutely so, awesome. All right. Well, this has been great, Jonathan, Um, anyone listening, uh, I'm sure you're going to love this episode and uh, please like rate and review helps us get it out there to more people. But, um, but Jonathan, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time and, and sharing your story. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Jason. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey without a strong why